Hey everyone and welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast show that talks about video game news, stories, and highlights. My name is Luke Armstrong and thank you for joining me on episode 24 of Games Are Fun. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Direct that happened last week. We got our final roster announced for the game when it comes out and lots of other news and details surrounding that Direct. So I'm going to break that down for you guys. There was also an article I found about a PUBG Suicide Squad crossover. There was a short teaser released about uh, some sort of Suicide Squad slash PUBG crossover. Um, Yeah, sounds weird, I know, but uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. I had some other thoughts kind of surrounding about kind of mashups of licenses in uh, different video games. So I kind of wanted to talk about that. And then, of course, the biggest story in the video game industry right now, the biggest trending story, I should say, is... BlizzCon happened this past weekend, of course, Blizzard's conference that they hold every year. There was an Ad- Diablo announcement, but it was a announcement for a new Diablo game, specifically a Diablo Immortal, which is actually a mobile game. So there's a lot of backlash from fans on that announcement, and so I'm going to be talking about that whole story And then I'm also going to be telling you guys what free games you can play. It's November. It's a new month. That means you got free games on Games with Gold, PlayStation Plus, and Xbox Game Pass. So I'm going to let you guys know what games you can play this month. There's some really good ones. And so that's how I'll end off today's topics. But before we get to all that, just a reminder that you can catch Games Are Fun every week at Tuesday, 10 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time. It releases over on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and CastBox. You can catch it every week, 10 a.m. Mountain Daylight Time. And whatever you're listening to it on, if you enjoy the show, make sure you show your support by giving me a subscribe, whatever platform you're listening to it on. It really goes a long way. Meet me halfway, right? I'm, I'm providing you with the content. If you enjoy it, meet me halfway with that subscribe. It's greatly appreciated. It goes a long way in helping support the show, and it helps me Find the motivation to provide you guys with content every single week. So thank you everyone who has already done that. Really appreciate the support. Now, before we get into talking about all those topics I mentioned at the top of the show, I just wanted to make a quick note. There's not much for housekeeping in this week's episode, but I did want to mention that a lot of you are probably asking, what happened to that Red Dead Redemption spoiler cast part one of two episode that I promised last week? Well, unfortunately... It did not work out. So I went to record, basically I had a plan to record a Red Dead Redemption 2 spoiler cast because last week's episode of Games Are Fun focused on my thoughts and impressions on Red Dead Redemption. But I wasn't going into any spoilers or talking about the story at all because I didn't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't had the chance to play it yet because by the time that episode came out, the game had only been out for four days. And so I wanted to do a spoiler cast, but because the game is so long, I thought, okay, I'll do the first half half of the game, part one, and then I'll do part two after I finish the main campaign. So I went to record it, and at this point, I was about 45% through the game, and so I was I had enough knowledge to, to share in an episode and record a podcast for it, but I just found that... I'm not going to lie to you, I was recording it three to four times and it was the first time 
that I've experienced since starting the show back in May where I found it was really forced. I felt that I was not able to articulate what I wanted to say really well and I kept messing up. So I kept re-recording what I had already recorded, scrapping it, trying it over and over again. And it got to a point where I'm like, this is really stressful. This is not fun on my half. And I'm sure that the quality of the episode is going to go downhill because I'm not, I, it's feeling forced, right? I'm not really, really in a place where I can articulate my my opinions on certain story aspects that I that I hope to at least. And so I decided, you know what? I made that I made that announcement that I was going to do that, but there's no harm in just pushing it back. So the update on that is I am still going to do a spoiler cast, but I want it to be in the right place to do that and provide you guys with a really good quality episode of the podcast. And so the only way I can do that is just, you know, restart, refresh, come in at a time where I'm feeling motivated to do that. And hopefully that episode will be released soon. I don't have a specific date for you guys. I feel like if I put a date on it, it will just put that pressure back onto me. So you can expect that in hopefully in the next couple weeks, I'll put an announcement over on my Facebook page and my Twitter and Instagram on that Red Dead spoiler cast. So Thank you everyone for your understanding on that. I know a lot of you messaged me and we're looking forward to that and we're a little bit disappointed that it didn't reach uh, reach the release date that I wanted, but it will come. You just have to be patient. So anyways, thanks for your understanding on that. So let's get into today's topic. So Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is just around the corner. You know, we're at the beginning of November here. We got one month away until Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And so... Before actually, before this direct, there was actually some supposed leaks about some characters that we were thinking we might have seen in the final roster for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm not going to go into the details of the leak because there's no point in talking about a leak when it was indeed fake. But let's just say the leak that was released, it looked like it was pretty legitimate. They had a lot going for it. The the whoever the parties involved that put that leak together did so in a way that had a lot of layers on top of it that made it look legit. Uh, that leak included some characters like Banjo Kazooie, as well as Shadow from Sonic the Hedgehog, and some other characters as well. But unfortunately, it was debunked when Nintendo held a Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Direct last week and. <laughs> Yeah, right off the bat, they they said that they... Well, here, let's just pull up the article here. So Adam Bankhurst over at IGN.com comes with us with all the updates that we saw from that Super Smash Brothers Direct. So, director Mashiro Sakurai confirmed that after today's Nintendo Direct, there will be no more full characters announced for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, but a full DLC plan is in place for more to be added in the future. That will bring the total count of fighters to 74 with the introduction of Incineroar from Pokemon Sun and Moon. It's important to note that the 74 character number includes Echo Fighters like the recently announced Ken from Street Fighter. As for DLC, Sakurai confirmed that there will be 5 sets of DLC, all with a character, stage, and music track, and each is expected to be $599 US dollars. In addition, there will be a Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Fighters Pass that will include all DLC for $24.99 US dollars, and every piece of content will be released by February of 
2020. Additionally, for those who purchased Super Smash Brothers Ultimate before January 31st, 2019, Piranha Plant will be added to the roster as a bonus full character for free. For his final Smash, Piranha Plant will turn into Petey Piranha, who first appeared in GameCube Super Mario Sunshine. Piranha Plant will be available around February 2019, and a new amiibo figure based on the new character will be released on February 15th, 2019. So let's just take a break right there to kind of talk about that real quick. So we got our final roster announced. They added two more characters from that, as mentioned. Incineroar from Pokemon Sun and Moon, of course. He was introduced in the latest Pokemon franchise. Um... Not, in my eyes, not the the top of my list. If I wanted to add a Pokemon over onto the Smash Brothers game, I think I had some other options in mind. Um, but I mean, Incineroar is a character that I think would fit with Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. He's designed in a way that I think would come across as, uh, you know, just being a character that would, would work in a fighting game. Then obviously Ken from Street Fighter is an Echo Fighter for Ryu, and that just makes sense. So it's unfortunate that we didn't get, you know, Banjo Kazooie or Shadow or the some of the other characters that were in that leak. But I mean, there they did confirm that they we are going to get five DLC characters at you know uh, six bucks a piece, which is not bad. In typical DLC fashion, it's going to be released, you know, over the course of the next year. And so I can expect, I think the first DLC will come sometime in the in the new year. We're already, like, I, we're, we're, we got five confirmed. And so they're going to try to space them out as much as they can within the next year, right? Whatever makes sense. And then the Piranha Plant from Super Mario Brothers is a really cool addition. They kind of announced that on the back half. And, um... Yeah, like I'm, the article mentions, those who purchase Super Smash Brothers Ultimate before January 31st, Piranha Plant will be added to the roster as a bonus full character for free. And so if you pick up that game new after January 31st, then you're going to have to probably pay for him to add into the game. But I mean, that they're giving you a lot of time. They're giving you essentially two full months to buy the game to get that character for free. So essentially, we got three new characters announced for this, and then a confirmation that five more characters are going to be added as well. And then it's also cool that with the DLC, we're going to be getting stages and tracks added as well. So what I'm interested in is if there are going to be the DLC characters, if the stage will match that character. I believe they would, but it'd be kind of interesting I hope they do it actually because it would be weird if they just kind of had some weird generic stages that were made based on characters that are already in the game and then have this totally new character where that that seems like a missed opportunity to me. It would make sense that they would here's, you know, a character from this IP, here's also a stage that goes along with that character. It makes sense at least. So, there's still hope. I mean, Banjo-Kazooie could make it, maybe Crash Bandicoot. I mean, it's pretty slim. I I bet that the characters we're going to get are, they're not going to be a big of a stretch in, in terms of reaching out to different IPs in the video game world. I think it's going to be more closer to Nintendo than we, we hope. I think that somewhere I did read, I can't confirm this right at this very second, but I believe I did read that Square Enix is going to be one of the parties involved in one of the DLC characters. So we can expect a character from a Square Square Enix 
IP to be one of those DLC characters. So very interesting. Um, let's see here. So moving on, also revealed during the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Direct is the new campaign, World of Light. After rainbow-like beams vaporize almost all of the Smash characters, your mission will seemingly be to fight characters to potentially unlock them and take place in boss battles with such enemies as Monster Hunter's Rathalos. As for the newly announced Spirits mode, this will replace the series trophies system and will have you collecting spirits that can be attached to fighters and used in battle. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate will be released for the Nintendo Switch on December 7th, 2018 and will arrive with a special edition and special pro controller as well as a Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Nintendo Switch bundle which has exclusive designs on the Joy-Cons Joy and dock. And then also on December 7th, the Ridley Inkling and Wolf Amiibo will be released with King, King K. Rool and the Ice Climbers arriving on February 15th, 2019 and Isabel, Pichu, Ken, Young Link and Daisy becoming available sometime later in 2019. So... Very, there was lots of, info, it was a very informative direct. I recommend that if you haven't watched it and you're very interested in some of the other features that are going to be in Super Smash Brothers, go and watch the direct for yourself. It's about 45 minutes to an hour long. And yeah, it does talk about that story mode that's going to happen. It gives that kind of trailer with uh, basically Kirby is kind of the, basically all the Nintendo characters are almost like vaporized, like full-on Thanos snap, basically. Um, and Kirby's the only one that gets away. So it's kind of interesting. Of course, it was confirmed a while ago that um, you're going to start off with the original Smash roster from the Nintendo 64, and then you're going to be able to unlock characters. So I, I'm assuming that what they're going to do is you're going to do battles and move along through the story mode and unlock characters as you go basically that's going to be centered around this uh whole storyline of these beams that vaporized almost all the smash characters so and then as for the spirits mode so i'm not somebody who's very familiar with super smash brothers so i don't know i can't give you insight of the trophy system that they have replaced with this spirits mode but from the general consensus of hardcore smash fans that i've read up on the internet I I get the basically they leave the impression that the spirits mode is is not not flowing with them very well. Uh, the trophy system is something that they I, I I'm not speaking to the whole community as a whole, but just people that I've read. I'm part of lots of forum pages and I've done lots of research on kind of why people are upset about the spirits mode and because personally it looks kind of interesting. There's these, they take different characters, uh, these spirits, and these spirits are characters from a whole bunch of different video game IPs, some that aren't even owned by Nintendo. And basically these spirits, you can power them up and add to your character. I think it's similar in the sense to the trophy system. Maybe I'm incorrect on that. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it actually pans out. It sounds very convoluted and um, very complex and so to be honest with you when I was watching and they were giving all the details around it I wasn't not a lot of it was sticking with me because it, it just there was a lot of details and I didn't know how to how to exactly process it all so it'd be interesting nonetheless I'm really excited for Super Smash Brothers obviously I'm getting it to hopefully play online with uh, some of you guys and and with other people 
that's kind of what Smash Bros. is all about is multiplayer. But I am glad that they are going to have a full-fledged single-player mode. And that will be nice to play, you know, when I don't have an internet connection and I need to uh, play offline. At least I have an option for that. So we'll see. Only time will tell. Hopefully the campaign mode is is more than we're... It, 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 hopefully it is better than we're expecting it to be. So moving on to the next story. This one is so interesting to me um it's like one of those kind of like just it's not like a big news story but i just i came across it and i thought that's kind of uh an interesting story that got me thinking on some other things so suicide squad and PUBG cross over on the horizon so this is coming over from gamespot.com by jordan ramey So, a new Player Unknown's Battleground trailer has been released. Although it's not very long, the trailer implies PUBG is going to have a future update that features a crossover with the Suicide Squad film. There's not much information to be gleaned from the trailer itself. It features close-up shots of Harley Quinn and presumably the Joker before the duo's silhouette is glimpsed through the smoke of a tossed fray grenade. Both characters are rendered and moved like PUBG's character models. On the surface, it appears as if the PUBG is getting Harley Quinn and Joker cosmetic items similar to the recently released Halloween monster skins. However, the title of the trailer and its description imply there might be more to this crossover. Both refer to this new content as Harley and Joker breaking out of prison, something that players should try to prevent. Certain scenes of the trailer also showcase an environment that could be the inside of Miramar's prison area. So this crossover might be either a limited time event, like when Fortnite allowed players to transform into Thanos, or a new mode entirely that takes place on a small portion of PUBG's desert map. PUBG could be looking at a new game type where two people are Harley and the Joker, and the remaining players are cops who have to stop them from escaping prison, or an event where discovering a special item on a new prison map allows someone to transform into one of the criminals and wield their powerful gadgets. We'll have to wait and see, as any further details concerning the crossover are coming soon. So, great little article over at GameSpot, uh, and I like how they add kind of maybe some predictions as to what this mode could look like. I agree. Based on the trailer, it doesn't just look like some cosmetic items like you can dress up your character as Harley Quinn or the Joker. It looks like there might be a little bit more layers to it, some sort of mode involved. And I really hope that is the case because cosmetic items are cool, but they're just cosmetic items, right? Another mode added to those characters from Suicide Squad would really add more depth to PUBG. And I think PUBG's in in need of some sort of refresh adding new modes to it because right now they're trying to catch up to blackout the new battle royale mode from call of duty then of course fortnite's the the big daddy of uh of battle royale games so they need to constantly be updating their game with new and interesting modes but why i found this so interesting is the fact that it's suicide squad right harley quinn and the joker I guess not necessarily Suicide Squad, but two villains from the DC Universe. It's very interesting to me because based on all the IPs they could have went after and some licensing deals where they could have other characters from different medias come come into the game, it's interesting that that's the one that they landed on. Um, I mean, there is a lot of hype right now with the Joker, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix being casted as the Joker for an upcoming film. Um, but I mean, Suicide Squad did not do that well. 
when it released. It, it, it kind of bombed critically and it was not very well received. So the fact that PUBG is already struggling a little bit and then they take an IP like Suicide Squad and try to fit it in into the game is, is interesting. But I'm not going to write it off completely. I can't judge it until we see. If it's just cosmetic items, this is kind of a throwaway. It's not that big of a deal. But if there is a mode, I think it could help. And if that mode is executed well, I think it really could help PUBG. But it reminded me of like the days when we saw lots of licensing crossovers, right? It reminded me of like back when the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games did this with uh, different movies coming out. Like Darth Maul, for example, was in one of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. And that was roughly or close to when The Phantom Menace came out. And so that was really cool. I remember like Shrek was in Tony Hawk's Underground 2 which is really weird to think about, but I mean, it's cool, right? When they bring characters in and put them into video games. I think that's why Super Smash Brothers, like we were just talking about a little while ago, is such a, a fun game for people is because they can pull all these characters from different video games and you know play, play one game together with them all. So it's kind of interesting. We'll see what happens. I'm gonna keep my eye on this story. And once we get a more of an announcement on what this is rather than just a teaser i'll make sure to do an update if it is worthwhile if it is just you know cosmetics maybe uh <laughs> we'll just leave that one be so moving on to the last story which is probably the biggest story is the diablo immortal announcement at blizzcon 2018. to set the sage stage excuse me BlizzCon is a conference that Blizzard puts on every year where they announce certain announcements for their games. Um, Blizzard has a very long history with their fans. Of course, Blizzard's been releasing games mainly on the PC platform for many years. They're obviously known for Warcraft, Starcraft, World of Warcraft, and then more recently they've seen, seen a lot of success with Overwatch. And then, of course, Diablo is another pillar in their their company as one of the, the main franchises. And so when you expect to have a Diablo announcement, we saw the release of Diablo 3 back in 2012, I want to see. 2012. And then I think it got a release the following year on consoles. And so, yeah, it's been a little bit. Um, not as big of a gap, I would say, from Diablo 2 to Diablo 3, but it's been a little bit and... I think fans were expecting to have some major Diablo announcement. Of course, Diablo 3 just came out on Nintendo Switch. And so now that that's been announced, they're waiting for, okay, what's the next announcement after that? So there was a bit of uh, an issue with that because what they announced was Diablo Immortal. And Diablo Immortal is a mobile game. And traditionally in the press conferences, in the video game industry looking back at like e3 or other kind of press conference events mobile games are not necessarily super well received the game could be great and have lots of features to that but the fans that come out to these conferences are pc gamers they're console gamers they're not the average person who might play some smartphone games here and there right um, in recent years i would say that mobile games have reach new heights we look at you know mario run over on nintendo and the animal crossing game we got pokemon go uh fallout shelter is a really good example of a mobile game that was done well but regardless 
when you make these kinds of announcements, they need to go along. They need to be like kind of like the filler for the, the final announcement, the big announcement, right? If we look at Fallout Shelter, for example, it's not like, okay, Fallout Shelter, and then that's where you drop the mic, that's the end of the show. If you did that, a lot of video game fans aren't going to be too impressed that you haven't announced Fallout 4. But if you announce Fallout Shelter and then you're like, hey, here's Fallout 4 and also it's coming out in four months, that's a really good good way. They're not going to look at, well, we don't want this garbage Fallout Shelter, right? And so that's what happened exactly with Blizzard announcing Diablo Immortal because that was the only Diablo announcement that was made. So basically, Diablo Immortal was announced and... Uh, announced that it was for mo mobile and someone had asked if there it was coming to PC because they kind of did like a, a Q&A session which is uh, probably not the best thing to do after uh, an announcement like this and someone had asked if this was going to be coming to PCs or whatever and that this was a mobile game only and the audience reacted by booing the heck out of the, these developers and then Later on, what kind of went viral is this guy came a question and he's like, is this a late April Fool's joke? And then there was like cheers or whatever from the audience, but it has put, put the developers and the, the speakers at a very, in an awkward position of how to respond to that, right? And they responded by kind of a hostile response by saying, well, you all have phones, don't you? Like, this is a good game. Like, you're going to have fun with it, blah, blah, blah. And so the reason why this has stirred so much controversy is because um, there's a lot of different takes on this, right? There's some people saying that the fans are selfish and greedy and think that they should get whatever they want and they deserve a Diablo 4 and well, not necessarily a Diablo 4, but they just, they deserve something more than just a mobile game. And for them to come out and just say, oh, all we have to announce is this mobile game is a bit of an insult. And some people are saying that they're overreacting in that sense. And then other people are, are saying that, um, that, you know, maybe, maybe there should be some sort of threshold on these kinds of announcements, right? That should be held if you're going to, D depending on your audience base, right, and how they would react. Could you imagine if, like I had mentioned earlier, if Bethesda came out and just said, here's Fallout Shelter and that's our, our next Fallout game. I think that Bethesda would, would be facing the same kind of controversy. So it's interesting. What I didn't find very cool with the thing, and you can go over on YouTube and find the video of the announcement, and I recommend you do because it is worth the watch, seeing what happened and how the audience reacted but what it, I think there there's warrant to fans being disappointed they're allowed to be disappointed but then there's also crossing a line of just you know think about these people think about the developers who have put in a lot of work onto this game right it's not necessarily their fault that you know the people talking on the stage it's their fault that there isn't an announcement for Diablo 4. There's lots of things happening behind the scenes at Blizzard and maybe there's a reason why. In fact, I read an article literally hours before recording this episode and so I don't have it handy for me to quote, but Kotaku Jason Schreier reported that Diablo 4, there was a video actually made and it was pulled from 
being shown at BlizzCon. They had actually planned on doing it and then they pulled it out at the last second. That story still kind of developed, so that's why I didn't include it. But yeah, basically, um, yeah, I think I think they have, they're allowed to express their frustration, but you know, the guy going up and saying like, kind of turning into a joke of, is this an April Fool's joke or whatever, to get the laughs is like, you could be using that time to ask a legitimate question like, is there a reason why, like what's the, the details surrounding Diablo 4? We kind of know that Diablo 4 is happening, you know, try to find some sort of answers or ask a legitimate question rather than trying to get to take a jab at, at these developers, right? It's not fair to them. So anyways, it's a very interesting story that I'm kind of just like neutral. I'm not, don't really have too much of an opinion on it, but I wanted to bring it up and talk about it on today's episode because it is such a hot topic that's been talked about in the gaming industry. I pull up gaming news and that's something that is continuously being talked about. And so, um, yeah, as that story unfolds, if there's any new things that come up, maybe I'll talk about them on future episodes. So, and then now let's get into what games you guys can play for the month of November for free. That is, but before I actually mention that, just a reminder to everyone, especially those Xbox fans, XO18 is happening November 10th. That is this Saturday. So make sure you head over to Xbox's page or whatever. I think they'll probably be streaming it on all the platforms, but watch that event. It's basically Xbox does this thing called Inside Xbox, and it's a monthly, I believe it's monthly, say video that they do that kind of just make announcements they're not like major announcements like e3 level announcements um but they're kind of smaller announcements and stuff at these these little videos that they do and so this xo18 is supposed has been kind of told the biggest inside xbox episode yet or something um it's live of course but you can expect that they're probably going to have some decent announcements from that so i would recommend checking that out I guarantee that next episode that I do next week is going to be talking about all my impressions from that XO18 event. So just to put a little reminder if you're interested in watching that. So Games with Gold for November. This is, this is a pretty decent month in my opinion. So from November 1st to 30th, all November long, Battlefield 1 is available for free with Games with Gold. Battlefield 1 is easily mo- one of my most played games as on my Xbox One. And most played meaning I put the most hours compared to every other game on my Xbox One. I was more of a Call of Duty multiplayer guy when it came to first person shooters before I got to Battlefield 1. And I absolutely fell in love with Battlefield style of play. Even my friend Deepin, again, very hardcore Call of Duty fan, got onto the Battlefield 1 um, train and really enjoyed it. So. Seriously, I really highly recommend that you get Battlefield. This is a really good game. This is like a AAA game, and you're seeing it for free. Of course, they're they're releasing it games with gold this month because Battlefield 5 is coming out later this November, and so I'm sure they're just trying to build up that hype leading into Battlefield 5. So Battlefield 1 is available. Victor Vran, Ron, October 16th to November 15th. So you have 50 more days. Well, by the time you're listening to this, like nine more days. Race the Sun, November 16th to December 15th. Not familiar with that one. Assassin's Creed, the original Assassin's Creed for Xbox One slash Xbox 360, November 1st to 15th. Of course, you can play that backwards compat. 
And Dante's Inferno. Uh, shout out to my brother-in-law, Matt, who just uh, purchased this game. Well, it's free now, Matt, unfortunately, but I'm sure you didn't pay too much for it. Dante's Inferno is a really cool kind of slasher, beat-em-up type of game that's kind of, think of like the old God of War games. That's exactly what Dante's Inferno is. And so that is available on Xbox One backwards compatibility and Xbox 360, November 16th to 30th. Now, Xbox Game Pass, November 2018. We got Sniper Elite 4, Ollie Ollie 2 XL Edition, that's a skateboarding game. Sheltered, Rise and Shine, those are all coming out on November 1st. And then Grip Combat Racing is seeing a day and date release on Xbox Game Pass on November 6th. And it is said that XO18 that's happening this Saturday, they are going to make some more announcements of games that are gonna be released this November with Game Pass. PlayStation Plus games, these were leaked last month. So uh, I already mentioned them on a previous episode of Games Are Fun, but in case you missed that announcement, Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition, which is a, a shmups, a shoot 'em up game that you can play. I've actually never played Bulletstorm, but I'm gonna give it a shot now because that is free this month. And then this is the big one that I wanted to take the time to plug. Yakuza Kiwami is available free for PlayStation Plus subscribers. So all my friends in real life that I talk to on a daily basis, I'm talking Coleman, Brian, download Yakuza Kiwami and please give it a shot. I want a real world friend to talk about Yakuza with because Yakuza is one of my top favorite franchises. I would put Yakuza 0 in my top 10 and I put Yakuza Kiwami in like my top 20 and I love the Yakuza games. They're basically, they're similar to kind of a Grand Theft Auto style game, but they're also like a brawler. They're, they're great. I've talked about them so many times. They're seriously so much fun. I absolutely love them. There's a lot of content. There's side missions. There, there's um, lots of different things you can do in the game. And it's free for crying out loud. Please just download this game. After you're listening to this episode, go on your PlayStation app on your phone and download the game. If, if you're at home and you have your PS4 across the room from you right now, go and download it, start it up, download it for me. I expect to talk about this with you guys this month. <laughs> so I think I drove that point home enough that you guys are going to download Yakuza Kiwami. Of course, I've already beat Yakuza Kiwami, but uh, I'm probably just going to download it so it's on my library and I have it in there. I think that's a good idea. So now we're going to talk about your guys' response to last week's question. So Cameron Boyer writes in, Luke wanted to respond to this week's question. What is a moment in a video game that changed your perception of games? When I got a copy of the first Assassin's Creed, it coincided with my first purchase of an HD television. For the first 20 minutes or so of the game, I was not paying any attention to the story or the gameplay. I was simply astounded at the quality of graphics. The first time you climbed a tower slash viewpoint and the camera pans around the sh and shows you that portion of the map, my jaw hit the floor. From there, you had to jump off the viewpoint to land into a tiny pile of hay. I remember thinking to myself right then and there that we are entering into a golden age of gaming. The possibilities of high resolution graphics combined with high resolution TVs created an immense amount of excitement in me and totally rekindled my love of gaming. Now, of course, that game turned out to be very mediocre in terms of gameplay. It was really just a brilliant tech demo that launched a massive gaming franchise, but I will never forget how exciting that moment was. So Cameron, thank you very much for taking the time to write into the, the show. Really appreciate that and you sharing your story. That's a really, really sweet story because I think you 
weren't the only one that really was amazed at the graphical enhancements that new generation brought on. I think that was a big jump from a technical standpoint from the PlayStation 2, Xbox One game, or sorry, the original Xbox and the Nintendo GameCube 2, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. There is a big graphical jump there, right? And that was also, like you mentioned, around the time when HD televisions were becoming more popular and becoming more mainstream and affordable for everyone to experience. And so you were having these really awesome gaming experiences because you had, you know, your 1080p output resolution from your TVs. It just it was really creating a awesome experience. I I know exactly what you're talking about because, see, I got an Xbox 360, but I was playing it on one of those uh, rear projector TVs. One of, it was like one of the big ones my dad had bought many years before that. And don't get me wrong, it still had a, a, a decent picture on it compared to my little tube TV that uh, sat in my bedroom, my CR TV. Uh, but yeah, when we got a HD television that was 1080p and I hooked up my Xbox 360 to that, I was just like blown away by how good everything looked. It really was. You, I wasn't even necessarily focusing on the gameplay. I was focusing on the graphics and everything from a technical standpoint. It was really amazing. So yeah, thank you for sharing that story, Cameron. That's really cool. Those are the kind of moments that I like to talk about. That's why I asked this question this week is because not necessarily a moment you experienced in a game, but like I, I like that it, it you you took it to another level and kind of set the stage for the moment that you experienced within that game on a, a larger context. So that's really cool. And of course, Coleman Dean writes in as well. For this week's question of the week, I think having grown up playing a lot of more or less linear games where the area of travel is fairly limited, for example, playing Mario games on the NES and Nintendo 64, a moment that changed my perspective on video games was playing my first open world game, Need for Speed Most Wanted on the GameCube. I remember how amazed I was by the game when I realized it had an open world to explore and race through. There were sometimes multiple paths you could choose during a race to get to your destination, which was so different from Mario Kart and more linear racing games of the, of the time. I also had a f similar revelation when first playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City when exploring the open world there as well. Completely changed in my mind what was possible for a video game. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Coleman. The, the open-worldness, that open-world genre really expanded on, I think, that generation of consoles that you're, you're talking about there. We had open-world games before that uh, to some degree, but that was the generation that really started. There was lots of different games exploring this genre, and it really became a, a pillar genre in the video game industry. So, yeah, and I think... You, you highlight the fact that that was really rare to see in a racing game, right? We had Grand Theft Auto and we had some other games, some Zelda games that had that open world environment. But to see it in a racing game, that was something new that I think was being explored. And I think it did really well because well, like you look at even nowadays with Forza Horizon 4 and the Horizon series and Forza games, as well as some of the other racing games we have out there it's really sweet that i think that open world and really takes racing games to a new level i actually 
prefer open world racing games as opposed to just racing games. If we're talking about like Forza Motorsport or any other kind of race simulation games, I kind of tend to burn out from them. But if you create an open world, there's just so much opportunity and to do things and explore the world. So it's really cool. I remember the underground, Need for Speed Underground 2 had a pretty cool open world as well. So Need for Speed is definitely uh, the veterans when it comes to open world racing games. So something I wanted to, a story I want to share with you guys about a moment in gaming that changed my perception was, now this, be warned, this is spoilers to the, the end of The Last of Us. If you don't want it spoiled, you've basically listened to the majority of the episodes, so you can just, I'll see you next week. But if you're okay with just kind of hearing how the game ended, then keep listening. Um, the Last of Us was really, is it easily one of my favorite games. It's probably, it's so hard. I want to put it at number one, but Ocarina of Time just is sitting at that spot. But it is, it's number two for sure. The Last of Us is a game that really changed gaming in the way that you can have a, a video game that tells a really deep story, a really strong narrative, and a video game that really produces a strong foundation for the characters and how they react within each other with with each other sorry and at the end of the last of us of course you're going on this whole adventure with playing as joel and you're with ellie and at the end of the game when basically the whole point of the last of us is ellie is basically has this cure in her that could help eradicate the or find to basically save the world from turning into these uh these zombies and basically at the end of the game you're kind of there's a a moment where joel has to decide of do i basically give up ellie and leave and give her to the these people to help save the world or do i lie to ellie and keep her and and leave and um, yeah, that's sorry. That's a really poor way of putting it. But basically, your your two choices are Ellie. You could tell her the truth, and basically that would prevent you from being with Ellie. And you would have to you basically have to leave alone. And the other option is lie to Ellie, tell her that no one was there, and you know continue that relationship because the whole game basically joel had lost loses his daughter at the very beginning of the game years passed and he meets ellie and they create this father-daughter bond and at the end of the game when that decision is kind of put on you you're kind of already thinking in your mind as it's happening that oh i'm gonna have to make this decision right this is what video games do is when you're caught with a major decision you get to make that decision on what you get to do. But The Last of Us doesn't do that. Joel, this is Joel's story. You're just along for the ride on that. And Joel makes the decision to keep Ellie and to leave the, the final location there and to continue moving, moving on in their travels. And that was kind of crazy to me because it, I think it just like caught me off guard that I was, I didn't get to make that decision but then it really made an impact to me it was like 
just because we're the the player and we're in control of the game doesn't mean that we decide how the game pans out right these are stories of these characters in these games and it just it really sat with me and i think that's why the game is is so well received is for that moment this is not anything that anyone else has ever talked about before this is a moment that a lot of people have shared whether they liked it or or not they've they can definitely agree that it was a, a moment in gaming where it's like wow we are just along for the ride for this this is not our story to decide this is basically a story that we help um, move along and so it's very interesting and it's very powerful and it made an impact on me so I wanted to share that story but anyways that was is my response thank you to Coleman and Cameron both for sending in responses for question of the week this week now let's ask this week's question so I thought about this question for a little bit and I was kind of humming and hawing at what one I wanted to go with, but I think I think I've kind of made the decision. So my question to you guys is, what is oh, how do I put this? Well, you know what? Let's put it the <laughs> I'm gonna cop out and and choose the the cheesy scenario that's always asked. If you were on a desert island, what is the one game? you would bring with you and now don't give me all that bs on of like well there's no power on a deserted island so i couldn't play video games or well would i can't play multiplayer games because there's no internet connection like i'm just saying what is a video game that you can play if you only could play one game for the rest of your life what game would that be very interested interested to hear what you guys have to say to that um yeah so send in your responses to the email address gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com or you can hit me up on Facebook, Games Are Fun, Twitter at gamesarefun underscore or head over to Instagram at gamesarefunpodcast. Of course, you can also, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, just put your answer in the comment section on this track. So thank you very much to everyone who listened to the, the whole episode here. I really appreciate it. Next week's episode, like I said, is going to be Oh, voice crack. Wow. Um, you can tell I've had enough talking. <laughs> 45 minutes straight. Uh, next week's episode is going to be my impressions on the XO18 event that's happening this weekend. So I'm looking forward to talking about hopefully some really cool announcements that were made there. And so, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week and enjoy all the games. Talk to you later.